Well, equity markets are in cautious mood because of COVID, the slowdown in the recovery, rising prices, and China. Yes, more US-China tensions are playing their part too. At the end of last week, we saw producer prices higher than expected in the US. UK GDP grew less than expected. New Zealand spending took a very big hit in lockdown. Is there anything that could remove this cautious tone? If so, what? It's Monday, the 13th of September, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar was on the rise again on Friday. It rose 0.6% over the last week on the DXY, uh, which meant the Aussie fell 0.2% on Friday and down uh, below 73.6 US cents. That's a 1.4% drop over the week. US stocks continued to fall as well, 0.8% down for the Dow and the S&P, 0.9% for the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ and S&P both down about one6 to 1.7% over the week. The Dow losing more than 2.1%. But even so, uh, it's still less than 3% off its all-time high. And the S&P 500 is only 1.8% off its peak, even with five straight sessions of losses in a row. Ten-year Treasury yields were four basis points up on Friday to 1.34%, which is pretty much where they were the week before, whereas Aussie yields fell five basis points to 1.22% on Friday, which is also pretty close to where it was the week before. Uh, Yields were also rising across much of Europe too. Gilts and buns were higher on the week and in the topsy-turvy world of oil a 2.3% rise on Friday for WTI but only 0.6% up on the week. Brent was up even less than that. Friday's rise, of course, was a rebound on the on the fall on Thursday on the news that China was selling from its own reserves to try and dampen inflation pressures in oil. Uh, but a bit more caution generally on Friday again, uh, which helped push the US dollar higher. Let's see what else is going on with Rodrigo Catrill from NAB in Sydney. So a lot of this presumably is to do with, apart from sort of this undercurrent of concern about the the speed of recovery, uh, the new news on Friday was this talk between the two presidents, wasn't it, Biden and Xi? And there were initial hopes that this was actually going, you know, it's a good thing and it was uh, going quite well. But then markets turned, didn't they? Um, Morning, Phil. Yes, that's quite right. So, in in fact, uh, when the news broke on Friday... Uh, was during our time, and and that lifted uh, not only the the Aussie but uh, also equities uh, got a, a nice lift from the good news that finally those two presidents were were back on speaking terms, and this was the first time that they uh, had had a discussion since February. Um, but then details of the call revealed that there was a lot of frustration, particularly from the US, uh, in terms of trying to get more cooperation uh, from China. Um, and then, um, and then, of course, uh, during the hour, basically Saturday morning uh, or early morning, there were news that the Biden administration was um, discussing a new investigation into subsidies uh, from uh, for Chinese subsidies, in in a way of trying to find how they could penalise that, mm. uh, whilst at the same time also trying to re-engage in China, trying to deliver on its commitments with respect to those uh, trade targets that uh, are, are way, way below the, 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 the initial targets uh, right. that were set you know, during the Trump era. So rather than unwinding on the level of, uh, of tariffs that we saw in the Trump era, we could actually see those tariffs increasing. That's the concern, isn't it? It is a concern, uh, but at the same time, it's, it's a fine balance because um, as much as the U.S., can find ways of, if you like, hurting or putting pressure on China. 
China also has ability to do the same back yeah. to, to the US. So, so it's a fine balance of trying not to remember to try to create any any damage to US farmers, for instance, uh, yeah. um, an impact on workers in general in, in the US as well. So uh, it's, a, it's a tricky one. Um, and uh, at the moment, it seems that these discussions will take months before we see any any serious outcome. If we, from, if we ever get any. I mean, these are all big issues. Trade, uh, you know, the, uh, Beijing's aspirations overseas, uh, the the inquiry into the origin of COVID, you know, these are all substantive issues, but possibly unresolvable. Yes, and and if anything, that's probably why you, you talked about these undercurrents of doubts. And I think that the market is coming to a conclusion that this is very complicated. Mm-hmm. And then to add to that, uh, you know, we know President Biden also wants to get China in terms of commitments for for climate change yeah. uh, initiatives and so on. So. Um, it's complicated. It is. It is complicated. All right. Well, let's uh, look data-wise on Friday. US PPI was higher than expected, so prices are rising. Uh, the rate of growth is less than July's numbers month on month, but 8.3% year on year. Presumably, this is you know another example of supply problems pushing prices up. It is. I, I think that the positive one, and, and this is sort of a general theme that uh, when we look at inflation readings from the producer side and even CPI, which is sort of the big theme for this week, is that we, we need to sort of not try to look at the year-on-year number because those are, mm. are, are going to be pushed up by um, uh, by the effects from previous months and there and we're going to see record levels being printed and so on. Um, and to me, the one major takeaway from the producer prices index in the US is that the month-on-month reading was lower. So it does kind of point to this view that there are some ease of those bottleneck pressures. Yeah. I'm saying that when you look at the details, transport, uh, transport and, and warehousing prices shot up 2.8%. So again, it's just showing that um, uh, there's still sort of issues there uh, that are likely to, to take a little bit longer to resolve. And, and if anything, we've got to remember that the impact from this new Delta wave, which has created havoc not only in the US, but also in China, that is going to create some inflationary pressure. So there's there's the risk of a, a second wave, if you like, mm. uh, from from these lockdowns that we haven't yet seen in the data. So yeah. overall, to me, it just means that these transitory effects um, are going to take longer to play yeah. out. And of course, you know, this is July. You know, so it's a couple of months ago, isn't it? So it's uh, that's right. And, and this is all moving so quickly. And it was, even though it was lower than uh, the month before, it was you know it was still higher than had been expected. So you know, there's a bit of adjustment going on, isn't there? And yeah, you know, we've got uh, the Fed, Loretta Mester. Uh, well, I guess all the more reason to say, well, uh, okay, perhaps we need to to start tapering. Give if if inflation is going to be a concern, it's hard though, isn't it? Because if jobs fl- slow and inflation keeps persistently high, I mean, what direction do they take? That's a bit of a quandary. It is a bit of a quandary, and if anything, the interesting remark uh, from her remarks were not only that she still would like to see tapering uh, begin sometime this year. Uh, but also she insisted that there was a need for from the Fed in general to to provide a bit of clarity in terms of its goals. Um, uh, and in particular, what what does it mean to get to maximum employment? And also the discussion around inflation. Um, if, you know, in her view, transit, those transitory effects are, are now taking longer. Um, and in, indeed, she said, you're not sure you can actually describe them as transitory anymore. Mm. Um, and And then the question is, well, if inflation remains elevated for an extended period of time, then what is our approach to to that? Yeah. You know, do we remain, you know, um, patient, or, or, or should we start leaning against it in a sense? Well, there's a difference, isn't there, between inflation that's being supply constraint driven and, and inflation which is being caused by higher demand? I mean, yes, you've got to have a different approach to each, surely. 
Yes, but they're, they're, so that's that's true. That typically central banks do not react to supply shocks. Mm. Um, but if these supply issues tend to be more longer lasting, then then you have to act against them because uh, then uh, it means that you know from a consumer perspective, uh, you're being faced by these constant increasing prices, and, and you know you're not matching them by an increasing wages in a sense. So yeah, oh, uh, right, now- it's still something that uh, it's about the timing as well, or how long they last that that matters. Right. So China's creating caution in the markets. Uh, inflation is continuing to cause concerns in the market. The speed of recovery is uh, creating concern in the market. We saw another example of that in the UK with the GDP because it moved. Forward, but very slowly, their GDP rise for July was just 0.1% month on month. It was expected to be much higher than that. Of course, you know, we had Andrew Bailey predicting this massive bounce back earlier in the year, uh, but they are still, uh, their GDP is still 2.1% below the pre pandemic levels. Yes. So, uh, I mean, to be fair, when you look at the details, there were also specific issues like the stamp duties, holiday mm. uh, construction also got a big knockback because of shortages of raw materials. Yeah. Um, so, um, Whilst there's still an argument that suggests that now that the UK economy is reopening, there's lots of savings and the consumer will finally, particularly on the services sector, will, will the services sector will benefit from from this sort of rebound in activity. Right, but it didn't. Um, the services uh, sector didn't in these numbers, did it? Yes, but then it's early days. It's, yeah. it's one month. And then to, it does play to the view that the recovery is not going to be, you know, a, a big reopening, a big burst of activity. It, it you know, the, the supply bottlenecks are, 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 are one problem. And the other one is the uncertainty as to whether the, the consumer will come back and the consumer will, you know, get back to his consumption levels or, or whether it, it remains a bit more cautious because of the uncertainties around the pandemic. Yeah, and also the uh, the, the pandemic as well, where lots of people were off, right. off work. So the services sector, uh, perhaps uh, lots of people not turning up for work because they couldn't. Look, uh, Canada's employment numbers as well. I mean, they were generally good, weren't they? But, but, but job growth is slowing. So even there, there's concerns. I mean, there was hope that uh, things were going to pick up. The unemployment rate fell, but there was a fall in the participation rate. So that accounts for a lot of that. And the slowdown in growth has been in full-time jobs, largely. Uh, you know, there's a, 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 a part-time jobs have increased faster. And again, hourly wages up 1.25% year on year. And I know you're saying it's a bit useless looking year on year. We should look at month on month. But that is twice the rate in, in July. So, you know, slower growth, higher costs again in Canada. Yes. And uh, if anything, when we think about the labour market, um, it, there's a huge contrast uh, depending, where, depending on where you look. So um, you talk about wage pressures. That's certainly evident in, in Canada, certainly evident in New Zealand. Uh, but not not quite evident in Australia, for instance. Mm. So although Australia has enjoyed before, you know, the, the recent lockdowns, we, we have seen a huge and, and a stronger than expected recovery in the labour market. It hasn't quite translated into increasing wages to the same degree that we've seen in Canada or in New Zealand. So um, there are reasons to, to think about a little bit of overheating going on in, in Canada and, of course, in New Zealand, but not yet in Australia. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, look, we've got all this uncertainty, uh, which is hitting equity markets, isn't it? The, the speed of recovery, the rise in inflation, supply concerns, now tension over China as well, which you can throw into there. Uh, I mean, what's going to change with that? I mean, they, all of those seem like they are issues that are going to be with us for some time. Does that mean we're going to see that, that this uh, this uncertainty is going to keep pushing the US dollar higher at the expense of the Aussie dollar? Is that where we're going to be for the next little while? Um, well, over the near term, yes, the, these uncertainties are difficult. It's difficult to see 
a, a break a big break up, for instance, of, mm. of support for the Aussie dollar when these uncertainties remain. Uh, saying that, we still think that the, the the key factors out of all of this is is a rebound in Chinese uh, economy and, yep. and activity. Um, we think that there's reasons to be positive about that because of the lockdowns being effective, and now we're seeing a rebound in those, you know, high frequency readings. Uh, whilst at the same time, uh, expectations are for for the U.S. labor market in the U.S. to also start showing signs of recovery. Um, so those are the important drivers. Once you see those two economies uh, in a stronger sort of position, then I think the rest will will, will come through. Um, and and there's still positive reasons to to think that that can happen. Uh, but it's not going to be, you know, something that is going to happen suddenly from one day to another. Yeah, we've got to get more people jabbed in the US. Well, look, it's a it's a quiet day today, isn't it? We'll get uh, the ANZ business survey in New Zealand and, and food prices as well for August. Uh, and uh, look, I'll, just while we're talking about New Zealand, we had a big fall in, in card spending in August, as you'd expect in New Zealand, 21.8% down. So that's a big fall. Obviously, then there are not a lot of people resorting to online shopping when they, they get locked down in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, not, not at the moment, seemingly, yes. Um, but it just shows you that sort of noise that is, is coming through the data and, and and only time will will allow you to to see a clear view in terms of what is actually happening. Yeah, well, we'll just watch the picture as it unfolds. US CPI tomorrow, isn't it? And retail sales on Thursday. So they'll be important numbers. And uh, locally, the August employment numbers. So we can see, you know, how big the fall has been. How much have we got to recover from this lockdown? Yes. So in terms of the, that, uh, we, we think that we will see sort of a lot of noise again on, on the data. Yeah. Um, again, the, the classification of whether you're employed or not, uh, if you're still having some sort of subsidy, um, there's a general sense that given the, the shortages of labor and the big amounts of, of job ads, that many employees will probably look to find ways of retaining their workers. Uh, um, so maybe so, so the labor market number, the stats in terms of the employment rate, uh, it's probably not going to be the best indicator. We no. think that hours worked yeah. will give us a better sense of the impact on the economy. Um, and in terms of the other events, it's probably worth also highlighting that we have uh, Governor Lowe speaking on Tuesday. Uh, and of course, activity readings from, from China coming mm. on Wednesday. So that would be important too. Yeah. All right. Okay. So an interesting week ahead. Good to talk, Rodrigo. Catch you again very soon. Thank you. Cheers, Phil. Thanks. And that's it. That's the Monday morning edition of the Morning Call from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. Back again tomorrow. See you then.